Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. All right, this is the class, What You Fear, You Follow, and we're thinking about how uh, the fear of man can tempt us away from fear of the Lord and uh, ends up being something that really directs our lives. And, you know, often we talk about, well, how do we follow God's will and find God's will and do what God wants us to do? Um, and actually, our fear has a lot to do with that. It ends up directing our steps in many ways. And if we fear man, that can be what ends up guiding our lives more uh, significantly than uh, a fear of reverence, respect for the Lord. Um, and so the last few weeks, first two weeks, we talked about what it is to fear God and what it is to fear man. Uh, and so I've been quizzing you to see if you can remember the kind of the themes of our lessons, but now, now it's like three weeks ago and four weeks ago, so that's really tough. I don't know if anybody can remember, but uh, fear of man is where we give too much value to what people think, um, and we let that rule us, right? Um, we, we care too much about how they react to us, how they respond to us, what they think of us. That's where we seek our honor, our um, sense of worth, so on and so forth. Fear of God is then that proper awe and reverence and respect for the Lord. Uh, it comes from really just an accurate understanding of who he is. And so it's not fear in the sense of terror. It's different than that. It's, it's, a, it's a respect, an awe, and a reverence for all that he is. And so we had a great discussion that week. We even brought up how um, the love of God is, is part of our fearing the Lord, and we tremble at how he loves us. So uh, there's just some neat aspects as we think of fear of God. Last week, uh, we talked about then zooming in on one area of fear of man uh, and how, um, you know, we fear, you know, we, we kind of broke categories down, if you remember that, but we could fear rejection, um, we could fear harm, that somebody could physically harm us. Anybody remember the one that we talked about last week? What did you say? What? Exposure, fear of exposure, right, that, that what I like to keep hidden, uh, somebody's going to reveal, and then I'll be embarrassed, and I will be, you know, exposed as a fraud or a hypocrite, or uh, in reality, it's just that the truth is coming out, and I don't want people to think. So we, we build our masks, right, so that people see a certain, certain things that we feel we're comfortable with, um, but they end up not knowing the real us. So fear of exposure, now, our, one of the basic premises of this class is that the solution to fear of man is fear of God, right? So it's not just that we try to put down these fears. Oh, it's not that big a deal if you're exposed, or oh, it's not that big a deal if you're rejected, or it's not that big a deal if you're harmed. No, that's not the answer. The answer is uh, a growing reverence for God is the solution uh, in each of these categories. So tonight... Uh, oh, you know what? I just realized I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm so excited to share the lesson with you. I forgot to share prayer requests. So um, ah, we'll just do that at the end. We'll keep going. All right. So you have your notes there. Uh, what you fear, you follow. And uh, again, sorry, I forgot to share prayer requests. We just jumped right into it here. 
Why do we fear man? Tonight we think about the fear of rejection. So here's something to think about uh, as we begin. Where do you find your identity? Uh, Where do you gain your sense of value and worth? When do you feel honored? Okay, so think about scenarios in your life when, you know, something happens and you come away from that and you kind of have this sense of, ah, I did something worthwhile, right? My life is meaningful or a series of events unfolds and you just feel, feel honored to have been a part of it or have done that or have your name attached to that thing, right? Um, or, or, or your identity. So when somebody asks you, tell me about yourself, what are the things that come to mind, right? Some of that would be your roles, right? Um, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, right? In your case, what are, what are your roles? You might share your interests, the things that are valuable to you. You might share your accomplishments. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Um, so by asking those questions, what we're pinpointing is where we find our sense of value, respect, worth. Um, and when we fear rejection, what we're doing is we're afraid that our, our value and worth is going to be kind of chopped down, right? Like, oh, 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 oh no, you know, because they don't like me. They're not accepting me. And so what I'm worth, my value, my, my respectability etc., is just kind of being diminished uh, by this person who does not like me and who has rejected me. And so that's kind of what's at stake here. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you answered those questions, but uh, they're, they're helpful questions to ask because they, they kind of get to the core of how we see ourselves. Um, a common remedy in our culture today is, is uh, you know, just to build up your self-esteem, right? And so if, if a person tears you down in some way, uh, insults you or disagrees with you or tells you that's not good enough, you just find somebody else who will uh, build you up, right? It will encourage you. Well, like, well you're, just a ne- you're, you're a source of negativity in my life. I can't be around you, right? Um, and, and, and so we, we find a new friend. We find somebody else who... Uh, will be more positive and encouraging. Uh, But is that really the answer? Is that how we solve this fear of rejection as we just, you know, find people in life that accept us? And uh, just if somebody rejects us, then we reject them right back and then find somebody else who's going to accept us. Is that how we solve this fear of rejection? Well, I think you know the answer. Obviously not. Uh, Even that is fragile, isn't it? Uh, what human being have you known to be, you know, the same and consistent and faithful to accept you day in and day out, uh, always for the rest of your life? Well, it just doesn't exist. There's no such thing, right? And so, you know, the, the friend, the new friend you found that might accept you today might discover something else about you, and it's like, oh, no, 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 that's not good. And so all of a sudden you got to find a new friend. It's actually a path to isolation, because, you know, as, as people reject us and we reject them back, little by little, what I'm doing is I'm, you know, ultimately stepping away from all interaction. Um, and I've got to be my own best friend. <laughs> I've got to be the one who builds myself up. Well, nobody else is there for me, so, you know, 
uh, tell ourselves these little platitudes and things like that. So you can see how this causes uh, some problems and even just building our self-esteem is not, uh, not the solution. Uh, we've referenced a couple books and I'll reference them a few times tonight. One is When People Are Big and God is Small by Ed Welch. Uh, that's a great resource. Uh, another one, it's on the bo- back of your notes. It's the second resource listed there. It's by Lou Priolo. It's called Pleasing People, How Not to Be an Approval Junkie. Uh, Both are excellent resources on uh, tonight's uh, theme, tonight's lesson about this fear of rejection and this strong desire to please people around us, to be accepted by people around us. So if you're looking for further reading or help on that, those would be great uh, resources. And hopefully our time in the Word will be beneficial to you as well. Ed Welch says the following, Closely related to the fear that people will expose us is perhaps the most common reason we are controlled by other people. Uh, They can reject, ridicule, or despise us. They don't invite us to the party. They ignore us. They don't like us. They aren't pleased with us. They withhold the acceptance, love, or significance we want from them, and as a result, we feel worthless. So again, did you catch those terms? Uh, significance, value, worth. Uh, when we seek that horizontally, right, and that's where I get my value, my worth from what people think of me, how they respect me, how they treat me, do they accept me? Um, when, I, when I'm looking for that horizontal transaction for, for my worth and value, then fear of rejection will be really high because everybody around me has a lot of control over my value, my worth. And they could, you know, just say something and all of a sudden I'm worthless, okay? Um, so this actually affects all of us in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, you, you understand this, you've experienced it before. We could even think about serving in the church, right? Uh, if we're asked to serve in a certain way, right? Maybe you get called on to read a verse out loud on a Wednesday night Bible study, which I might do to you tonight, uh, <laughs> right? Oh, no, you know, if I, what if I make mistakes when I read? What if somebody thinks I read too slow? Uh, what if I have a funny accent? You know, uh, all, all of these things could come up in our minds as we read the scriptures. Uh, because what? It's in front of people. And so we wonder, what are people thinking of me? Uh, are they accepting me? Are they rejecting me? Do they respect me more? Do they respect me less? Uh, again, that's this fear we're talking about tonight. Uh, The same can happen uh, when we serve in a good way, right? And so let's say you finish reading the scripture and it went pretty well. Uh, There's the same kind of thoughts at the tail end of that as well. Oh, well, that was, I thought I did pretty good in that scripture reading, you know? I mean, maybe I didn't, but I'll I'll ask somebody afterwards, like, hey, did you you hear the passage I read in the, the service tonight? Yeah, that's it's a good passage, don't you think? I mean, how did it come across to you? So w- w- what we're doing is we're sort of fishing for compliments from people. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be fun? Yep, exactly. See, now I'm fearing your rejection here. No, we get... It all comes full circle. Yeah. You get the idea, right? So this stuff is going on in our heads, you know, it could be all the time, especially if we're sensitive to these kinds of things. 
Um, so how do we solve the problem? How do we uh, conquer this fear of rejection, this man-pleasing, so to speak? Uh, well, a couple things we need to think about tonight. The bottom line is that there, there will be times that people do reject us. And so that's the second part of our introduction here. Um, oh, did I already pass that? No, it's not on the outline. Uh, people will reject us. It's just going to happen. Uh, it's part of living in a fallen world. Um, and it, yeah, just with human interactions, not everybody's going to like us all the time, right? Um, and so sometimes it's helpful just to remember that. Uh, the perfect man lived on the earth and people rejected him, right? So, um, you know, it's, it, it's just not a safe place to find our value and worth. <laughs> uh, and there, there will be rejection that we face as, as people. So uh, let's just give some examples. I don't mean to like bring up traumatic experiences, but what are some places you've experienced rejection in the past uh, that, you know, has maybe added even to this fear of rejection again in the future? Yeah. So um, my family had a Super Bowl party where mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. Not invited to a family gathering. Good. Not good, but good example. Others. Yeah. I felt rejected when you were daughter. Yeah. Right. Good example. That's a hard one. Yeah. What else? Yeah, so, so the, the reverse of kind of what Tim was sharing, where a child might feel that from a parent, is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, not getting the affection or love that I feel, feel rejection from a parent, yeah. Other examples? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, piano lessons, right? Mm-hmm. As, a, uh, as a pastor, I sometimes get direct rejection, and other times it's just that I am oversensitive to it, right? But anytime, if somebody, you know, chooses not to come to church here, there's a lot of that that weighs on me because I'm you know, kind of the one they have to see every week. And so it's like, well, if, man, if I'd been a better preacher, maybe they'd stuck around or whatever. And then there have also been those text messages that, like, it is your fault. You're the reason I'm leaving. And it's like, oh, well, at least we know. At least it's clear in this case. <laughs> so it goes both ways. <laughs> it's all over, isn't it? I mean, we could, you know, we've all experienced it. And I think once we've experienced something like that, it is embarrassing. I'm not trying to say, the point of tonight's lesson is not to be like, you know, that I'm never going to feel the pain of somebody not liking me or, or you know, not accepting me or, or rejecting me. It, it can still be difficult and hurtful because human relationships, I think God has intended them to be valuable, to be important. And so to, to feel that from another human being will continue to be hard. Um, so our goal tonight is not to, like, make that not hard, 
Um, But there is a solution that gives us a steady and a firm foundation to walk through the difficulties of human rejection. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's, I just wanted to clarify that as we move forward. All right, so let's think about some of the ways that this fear of rejection comes up. Uh, we're going to move quickly through these because uh, we've, we've already had some pretty good discussion, but this will just help you. You have lots of blanks, so I'll try to get them all up there for you so you can write these down. First of all, concerns about personal characteristics. What do they think of my personality, my education? You know, this is a big one. Uh, if somebody's more educated than another person, you know, or do they think I'm a fool, all of this stuff. Uh, socioeconomic position, right? So uh, finances, wealth, gender, race, experiences, relationships, um, all of these things can have to do with our fear of what they think of our personal characteristics. Desire for approval. Uh, Always asking people what they think of something. Um, Only finding satisfaction once somebody has told me that it was good, it went well, nice work. Uh, the next one, fishing for compliments. We already kind of experimented with that one a little bit, but where in conversation, uh, I'm, I'm seeking someone to uh, compliment me. Here's a really interesting way we do this one, okay? In conversation, sometimes in seeking a compliment, the way we go about it is we insult ourselves and then force the person we're talking to to correct us with a compliment, um, I'm so sorry I did that. I'm such a fool. No, no, you're not a fool. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we actually talk that way quite a bit. You can probably think through your own conversation or whatever and, and pinpoint ways when you, we, we, we insult ourselves, and we may not even know we're doing this, but kind of the, the intended response is that, ah, well, then they'll have to come back and say, no, no. What if they didn't respond that way and said, well, yeah, that was pretty foolish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we, we fish for compliments. Uh, perfectionism is another sign of fear of rejection, where we just go, where this desire to have everything perfect is what controls us, is what rules us. And part of that comes down to, well, what are people going to think of me if it's not perfect, right? And so we've got to build this persona that I do things really well, everything's perfect, um, so anyway, yeah, this perfectionism is a way that we can demonstrate this fear of rejection. Uh, the way we dress, right? Thinking too much about uh, what people think of how we're dressing or, uh, yeah, uh, caring too much about, about brands, um, about uh, certain style choices, so on and so forth. Name dropping. Oh, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, he's a friend of mine, right? So who do you know? All these networking and connections and so forth. Um, Name dropping is a way of adding to our worth and our value on the horizontal plane. Favoritism. This is a sign of fear of rejection. Uh, Those people that were most afraid of rejecting us, we show them partiality. We show that we give them a little bit extra to make sure that they don't reject us in return, right? So it's like, I do you a favor, you do me a favor. I scratch your back, you scratch my back. So those people that we most want to be accepted by, we show partiality towards, we show favoritism towards. So again, that has to do with fear of rejection. 
Uh, avoiding sharing the gospel can be a way that this comes up. Um, Ed Welch has an interesting quote about this, again, from his book, When People Are Big and God Is Small. Sometimes we would prefer to die for Jesus than to live for him. Did you catch that? Sometimes we would prefer to die for Jesus than to live for him. However, if making a decision for Jesus means that we might spend years being unpopular, ignored, poor, or criticized, then there are masses of Christians who temporarily put their faith on the shelf. In other words, kill me, but don't keep me from being liked, appreciated, or respected. Aren't the most popular missions trips the ones that take us far from our own neighborhood? Russia is easy. Our own neighborhood is a constant challenge. Isn't that a perceptive statement that you know, in some regards, it would be easier to give our lives for Jesus than it would be to daily, um, you know, suffer rejection for the sake of his name. Uh, I just found that really interesting uh, perceptive uh, statement from him there. Next, we don't confront sin. So again, that can be fear of rejection. What will they think of me if I tell this to them, if I say this to them? Um... Passivity towards others. We demonstrate our passivity, waiting for others to initiate, whether that's love, reconciliation, leadership, decisions. Um, we, we don't necessarily ignore social cues, uh, but we fail to take the action that the Lord wants us to take because we're afraid of how others will respond. This can even uh, come to play in church philosophy, why we do what we do, right? We want to be accepted by people. We want people to just love their experience here. And so that can end up driving the way we do church. Now, it's certainly not wrong to consider that. Remember, it's not wrong to consider what people think. We'll, we'll get to that, a section on that in tonight's lesson. But it's when that rules us, it's when that controls us that we get into trouble. And then finally, in our speech, and the way we talk with people. Uh, gossip can be this. We, we test the waters with certain people. We say things about others uh, to see how it lands, to see whether we'll be rejected or accepted. And gossip tends to uh, tear somebody else down so that I have a better chance of being accepted here. Um, so that has to do with fear of rejection. Any other examples that you can think of? I mean, it's almost unlimited, but where else do we see fear of rejection in our culture and in our own lives? Any other examples? Oh, yeah, Kate. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, saying, saying your views on something. Man, how is this person going to respond? Yeah. Joan, thanks for, the, thanks for the hint that Kate had ended up. Joan was giving me this look like, over there. And I was like, I don't, what, what is happening? And is, so Joan helped you out on that one, Kate. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed you. Okay, social media. Is it, think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, be careful what we say. Or have you ever experienced just the phenomenon of posting something, Facebook, Twitter, you know, you name it, and just like how strong of an urge you have to keep going back and seeing how many likes you have, 
How many people, how many people viewed it? What did people comment? You know, it's just like, it's, oh, it's just the weirdest thing. It's like all of a sudden I really care about likes and it's like, anyway, yeah. Good. Other examples? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I think that other people think less of me if I don't do well. Sure. Yeah. So it's, like you said, it's almost an act. Yeah. It's not even necessarily reality. Right. It's running narrative. Yeah, yeah. It's more so what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And, if man, we can create a little fear of rejection monster in ourselves or we're sensitive to every little look, every little glance is about me. Right, and so somebody looks cross for a second, and my interpretation is, oh, they're angry with me. They don't like me, you know. And uh, that's that's just fear of man out of control. The world is revolving around me, you know. And it's tempting. It's tempting to think that way and let let our minds run with some of those things. And it's all made up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, great, great uh, insight there, Tony. All right, next section. How does fear of rejection and desiring approval harm us? How does fear of rejection and desiring approval harm us? These are some of the ways that it's, uh, obviously, you know, the context of this lesson is that it's sinful, so that's bad, right? We know it's not right. Uh, But Scripture talks about a number of ways that this is harmful to us. It enslaves us to others. So when I fear what somebody thinks of me over what God thinks of me, when that's what rules me, I've actually enslaved myself to that thing. Romans chapter 6 talks about that. I I present myself to this person to serve them. Oh, I want to be accepted by you. And so I'll change the way I dress. I take back what I said. You know, I just need you to accept me, right? So that's, that's servitude. We're enslaving ourselves. Uh, maybe not to one person, but to, to people in general when we fear rejection in these ways. Uh, love for praise actually undermines receiving it um, because, yeah, they, those who you know, at first thought, you know, I should, I should tell them how encouraging that was or how, how good of a job they did. But if I'm looking for that praise, they, pretty quickly they'll see the pride in my heart and my life and they're like, you know what? I don't think I really want to tell them they did a good job anymore because, you know, the head's uh, inflating with ego air. Um, So, yeah, we'll keep back the praise. We miss out on heavenly rewards. I don't know if you ever pause to reflect on that, but when I make relationships about me, am I getting acceptance? It's selfishness. And so I'm not... I'm not loving sacrificially. I'm not living God's way. And so opportunities to, to gain heavenly rewards for sacrificial love to others are just missed. It causes us to be increasingly blind to our own sins. Um, you think about this in the long term, right? If, I, if those who reject me, I just kind of cut off. And those who accept me, I, I gather those people around me. Again, that's just building my ego, and I'm not listening. You know, the, the one who gave me rejection might have actually been helping me see my sin. 
But because I was afraid of being rejected, I rejected their help. I said, oh, enough of you. I'm going to find some people who actually affirm me and help me. And so then I never end up seeing the sins in my life that I'm blind to because I reject people's help. It causes us, or it makes us more susceptible to being ensnared by flattery and deceit. Uh, <laughs> Pastor, that was such a great sermon Sunday. I wonder if you could just do me one little favor. Oh, you really like the sermon? Well, thank you. Yeah, what do you, anything. What do you need? You know, right? So if we're just longing for those compliments and, and praise from people, right, we're susceptible to flattery and deceit, right? Oh, I can get, I can get him to say yes. Just watch, right? I'll give him a couple compliments, tell him how good of a job he's doing, and then if I just ask him for this one little favor, he'll do it. He'll do it, right? So that, what is that? That's flattery, right? That's deceit. Read the book of Proverbs. Um, and so if, 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 if it's all about that human transaction of my worth is based on what you think of me, then I can pretty easily be controlled by the praise of others, flattery. Here's another one. It causes us to be more susceptible to other sins. When God is not on the throne, <laughs> when man is there instead, it, it goes to reason, stands to reason, that all sorts of other sins will follow thereafter. Um, hypocrisy, discontentment, greed, uh, indecision, any number of things. And then finally, it can take a physical and psychological toll. Stomach problems, stress and tension, headache, fatigue, depression, mood shifts, uh, anxiety, any number of things flow from this kind of fear of man. We, we just were not made to operate where we are worshiping people. We can't function that way. It destroys us. It destroys us and others. Um, the Bible talks a lot about the fact that sin is death. It literally is death. It kills us. Um, and to put people on the throne where, where I worship them, I'm seeking honor and acceptance from people, it will kill me and it will kill them. That's what it does. Um, yeah. How does pride fuel our fear of rejection? Just a brief aside on pride, which is deeply rated, related to our fear of rejection. Uh, pride tends to uh, it's kind of a fun quote. I'll just read it to you. If the fear of man is the fire that rages within our hearts, then pride is the wood and oxygen that fuels the blaze. So how does pride fuel fear of man? A few, a few ideas here. It can cause us to distort our sins and faults, either maximizing or minimizing. So maybe as you have uh, replayed a scenario that happened, you're talking to a friend, you're trying to figure out, they did this and I did this, and so you're, you're telling the story to your friend. You're saying, you know what, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I didn't handle it perfectly, but can you believe what she said to me? I mean, yeah, I, I guess probably that wasn't the best response. I was in the heat of the moment, but, but then she did this, right? So what, what am I doing there? I'm minimizing my actions in it, right? With kind of this like false acknowledgement. Well, sure, I didn't handle it perfectly. Like, whoop, pause there. <laughs> Let's dig into that. That's my responsibility, right? But no, no, no. 
pride and fear of rejection and his connection to it just kind of wants to minimize what I did and let's maximize what the other person did. But can you believe what she did? Right. It will also tempt us to elicit praise from others. That's kind of that fishing for compliments. If I think highly of myself, then I will expect this from others. Um, they ought to be recognizing my talent as well, right? If they don't understand or don't recognize my talent, then they're just crazy. It can cause us to misapply the praise uh, we receive. Instead of giving glory to God, being humbled, we say things like, wow, I guess I did do pretty well. Can you believe they said that about me? That was so kind. You know, I received three compliments like that this week. It will tempt us to change our behavior, but not seek a changed heart. We settle for outward changes rather than, this kind of relates to last week's lesson, fear of exposure, rather than opening up and letting God work in the heart, which is what's really important. Um, we just settle for outward behavior. Just do enough that this person will like me again. As long as they, they don't have to see my heart, as long as I just change enough outward things to be accepted again, then we're okay. Uh, it will tempt us to dismiss confrontation over sin and weakness. This one comes up a lot. Oh, it's just their opinion. They just disagree. I've thought it through. What they said, has, it has no way to, you know, they're just, they're just mistaken. They just misunderstand it. Um, pride has a really tough time handling criticism. And at the end of the day, kind of just have to say, well, they just don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they're wrong. It doesn't have the tenderness to actually listen and let the words sink in and ask that question, is there any truth to what they said? Am I blind? Uh, to what's been going on. All right, let's go to the next section here. Now we're getting to the fun stuff. Is there a time to, where it's appropriate to please other people? And I would just summarize it this way, only when it is a means of pleasing our Father in heaven. So is there a time when it's appropriate to please people, to, to be concerned about what people think and um, am I going to offend them? Is there a time to think about that? And I would say only if it's a means to the, to the true goal of pleasing the Father. Now, the Father has told us that we are to love one another. And so it's actually a really important question in loving God to also ask, is this loving towards this person? Um, and so that, that's an appropriate way that we would think about. How is this going to land with them? But that's different than fear of man, where when I seek to love them, I'm not looking for anything back, right? This is one directional love. This is the kind of love that God teaches, a sacrificial love. And hopefully you've heard me talk this way before, but this is what the gospel does. It, it just breaks all of our 
fleshly, man-made forms of interaction, where what we like to do is this, this circle. I do, you, know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back, where we always get something back from people. It's just horizontal exchange, and that's what fear of rejection is. It's just, I accept you, you accept me, and if you don't, then, then we're done here. God has totally broken that cycle with the gospel, because when we could give him nothing, in fact, when we were his enemies, he gave us this one-directional love, he sent his son to die for us. We, we were worthless. We could give him nothing in return. Uh, and he loved us that way. And then he tells us to love one another as I have loved you. So as the Father has loved me, I'm to show that kind of love. And that's where I do and give and serve expecting nothing back. That's why um, one of Jesus' teachings was that, you know, when we serve, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing so that you don't receive praise from men and then your Father in heaven will reward you, right? So the only place we're really seeking the pleasure of someone is the Father. He's the one that we want to please and to honor. Um, And so it, you know, the gospel just destroys that exchange. And it says, I will just love you one direction. You don't have to do anything back to me. Uh, I I will sacrifice it all for your good because that's how Jesus treated me. And that's it. End of story. Um, And so God has kind of totally fixed the problem for us in the gospel. So there is a place to love and serve people, right? And 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 that seems similar to what we're talking about, pleasing people, but it's not that people are not the end in themselves. It's all about the Father. So here's some scenarios where the Father has told us to consider if this will, you know, uh, be helpful to this person. So number one, as much as it is required for gospel ministry, 1 Timothy 3, uh, verse 2 and verse 7, talks about having a good reputation among all men. Um, and so there, there is a concern how is this being perceived in my culture and my, with my neighbors and so on and so forth? We want to develop a good reputation, respect in our communities, but not for ourselves, for the sake of the gospel, for our Father in heaven. Okay, so that'd be one category. Another one, relation to uh, pleasing or respecting parents and authorities. And um, yeah, it's like, you know, you've got other authorities. Uh, so in the scriptures, you've got slaves and masters, one that's mentioned a lot. Sometimes we shift that over to like boss employee, you know, scenarios, which is not quite slave and master, at least hopefully not in your workplace. But um, another one is government, right? So civil authorities um, where we are to show a degree of honor and respect um, and even speaks in terms, so one of the passages there, Titus 2, 9, and 10, is that the slaves would please their masters. Uh, and all of this, again, is not an end in itself. It's not for me that I would seek to please my master, but it's for my Father in heaven, because this is how he's told me to live. So again, it's got to be with that end in mind of pleasing the Father. And then another one, we're told, oops, went backwards, uh, marriage is another one. It's right for you to seek to please your spouse, 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, and again, it's not for me. There's a whole lot of self-love in marriage. I love this person because they love me well. And as soon as they stop loving me well, the marriage falls apart. It's actually, I love this person because God wants me to love this person. Period. There it is. 
<laughs> and I want to please my Father in heaven. And even if they stop loving me, I'll keep loving them because I want to please my Father in heaven, right? Um, and so, yeah, there's a place for seeking to do what would be pleasing to the spouse, but ultimately for the Father in heaven, not for me. So those are a few examples. Oh, the last one. Uh, Romans 15. This was one of our memory verses not too long ago, but um, there's a place to deny ourselves for the sake of the weaker brother. I think verse 2 goes, Let each of us please his neighbor rather than himself. So serving and giving to others. But it's different here. It's not for me. It's not for what I get out of it. It's to please my Father in heaven. All right, you're doing great. A lot of lists. Did we get all the blanks? You guys all caught up? A lot of lists in tonight's lesson, but you're doing awesome. Okay. Fear of rejection in Scripture. Just a few examples. Again, we're almost to the really, really good stuff here. I mean, this, hopefully this has all been good, but it's we're about to get really good. We're, we're going to get to some gospel here soon. So, Fear of rejection in Scripture. Uh, first of all, it's idolatry, right? What am I doing? Is I'm worshiping a person. Romans 1.25 talks about this. Uh, we worship the creature rather than the creator. That's what fear of rejection does. I want something from, I want this person to fulfill me. I want this person to give me value and worth and acceptance. This is what happened in Exodus 32. Uh, Aaron was afraid of what the people thought of him. And so he came up with this plan to have the the golden calf. They were asking him to make an image for them. And it was his fear of man that eventually caused them to give in. And so he creates this golden calf, an idolatry that actually uh, was pervasive among the people of Israel for generations, I mean hundreds of years, um, that the golden calf idolatry continued. It's a temptation for those in authority to show partiality. Deuteronomy 1.17, do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to God. Uh, So we seek to reflect God's righteousness in the way we make decisions and determinations unafraid of what people think. There's a temptation to please men rather than God. So an example in 1 Samuel chapter 15, this is when um, Saul uh, was given the command uh, to uh, wipe everything out. And I'll read this one to you. It's kind of an interesting verse. Uh, 1 Samuel 15. Uh, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the voice of the people and and obeyed their voice. So Saul actually recognized it. He didn't follow the Lord's commands because he just, he gave in to what the people wanted, um, and he feared the people rather than God there. It can keep us from trusting the Lord. John 12 um, is a passage we're going to look at again in just a little bit here, but Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. Uh, 
And in verses um, 42 and 43, he says this, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So they actually refuse to confess Christ as Savior because they're afraid that they'll be put out of the synagogue. They're afraid of uh, what their peers will think of them. So it actually keeps them from trusting in the Lord. It can lead to hypocrisy and distortion of the gospel. So Galatians chapter 2 is the example of Peter, uh, where he was showing partiality to the Jews and actually encouraging some of the Gentiles to live under some of the Jewish traditions again. Um, And Paul confronts him to his face because it's a distortion of the gospel. And interestingly, it leads to murder. Mark 15, 15 is with Pilate, uh, where he listens to the crowd. He's afraid. It actually says he he, uh, feared the people, what they would think of him and how they would respond. And so I think it's three times, at least in the Gospel of Luke, that Pilate comes back to them and says, he's innocent. I find no, no fault in this man. And the people cry out all the more. And uh, Pilate eventually gives in. Uh, because he is afraid of what the people will think of him, what they'll do to him. So it leads to the murder of Christ. All right, so then the important question. Here's, here's the fun stuff. How do we overcome fear of rejection? Trust your gospel acceptance. That is, if you've believed the gospel. So let me explain how the gospel just conquers our fear of rejection. And it's not that rejection from a person will, will never, ever hurt again. It can still be a challenge. But these truths about the gospel uh, become your rock-solid foundation for when we do face human rejection to remind us what's really true and right um, as we face those things. So first of all, Jesus received the rejection that we deserved. Uh, The scriptures talk about how we are actually rejected by God and should be. Ephesians chapter 2 describes it in a number of ways. We're we're strangers, we're foreigners, we're without God and without hope in the world, right? So we're outsiders, we're we're rejected. And when, when Jesus went to the cross, we're actually seeing him take the rejection that we deserved from God. Uh, Listen to Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Do you hear all those fear of man words, those fear of rejection words? He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, Men hide their faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Those are all fear of rejection words. We've been using those words through the evening. So Jesus took our rejection for us. He felt the deepest, strongest, hardest rejection there is, the rejection of God the Father. And he took the rejection that we deserved ourselves. Um, He was rejected by man and by God so that we would not be rejected by God 
and that we'd no longer be enslaved to fearing those created by God. So it begins there. Jesus took that rejection for us. But not only that, Jesus guarantees acceptance with the Father. And this is what the gospel is all about. There's so many passages we could go to here. Um, Would somebody be willing to go to Romans chapter 8, um, verses 14 through 17? Your volunteer willing to read those? Tim, you got those? And then Galatians 4, verses 5 through 7. Somebody willing to read those? Tony, thank you. So these are just two examples of the way that Jesus has provided for our acceptance. All right, Tim, go ahead. Okay, I mean, these are some rich verses here. But as a result of our salvation, we're giving God's Spirit, and the Spirit is the guarantee, the one who testifies that we are God's children. Permanently joint heirs with Christ. Just like let that phrase sing in for a moment. Joint heirs with Christ. Okay, so what is Christ an heir of? Right? Like, all things. <laughs> and, and in Christ, because of the gospel, we also become children of the Father, able to say to him, Abba, Father, just like the Son does to the Father. And we too become joint heirs. So the gospel guarantees, what Jesus has done for us, guarantees our acceptance by God. We will never be rejected by God because Jesus was rejected in our place. So if we've trusted in Christ as Savior, right, that hinges on that, a faith in the gospel, then these statements are true of us, joint heirs with Christ, never to be rejected by the Father again. Okay, Galatians 4, 5, and 7. I didn't mean to get ahead of it. I forgot where I handed that one out. Oh, Tony, yeah. Oh, no worries. I got, I got going off on the wrong track here. Yeah, same, similar ideas there, but uh, in the gospel, we've been made heirs. We've been made uh, children of the Father, never to be rejected by him because Jesus took that rejection for us. Um, another great passage you could look at, we won't do that tonight, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that, um, how we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were far, far away from God, and now he's brought us near by the blood of his Son, Uh, to be accepted by him.
So all of these things remind us that the gospel guarantees us acceptance with the Father. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, uh, that exchange, he takes our rejection and gives us his acceptance with the Father. Pretty cool. He also gives us a purpose to live to please the Father. To live to please the Father. This becomes our purpose in life. Just like uh, Jesus gives us his acceptance with the Father, he also gives us his purpose in living. This is what Jesus did. He lived to please the Father, and he gives us the same purpose. Uh, So we have four passages here. Could I have four volunteers that I can give those to? I think all four passages in your notes there, John 5, John 8, John 12, and 2 Corinthians 5. Four volunteers. Okay, Jim, you want to take the first one? John 5, 40, 44. Somebody else? Dusty, uh, would you take John 8? Melissa, did you, did you have your hand up there? Uh, do you mind doing John 12? Okay. And then, uh, Ethan, did I see two? 2 Corinthians 5 uh, for yours there. All right, let's cycle back to the beginning. Jim, with John 5, please. Okay, did you catch that last phrase? How can you believe when you seek glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So this is, that's what we're talking about tonight. They are seeking that horizontal transaction of honor. The Pharisees, what they wanted was the honor and accolades and glory from people oh, they all think I'm so righteous. So this is, they're just trying to be satisfied with the human level. And so they, have, they, they don't care what God thinks. So someone has come in Jesus' name, or in God's name, and they don't care. Jesus is not seeking honor from them. He's only seeking to please the Father. It's just totally different how he's living. Now, I know we worship Jesus, so it sounds funny to see, hear him say, I do not seek honor from men. That's actually true. He's just seeking to please the Father. He's not looking for them to worship. Why should they worship Jesus? Because that's what pleases the Father, right? So he's just on an entirely different plane. This is one of my favorite passages because it just totally blows our thinking out of the water. And they won't come to him in faith because they won't give up what they're worshiping. Human glory, honor for, think of it as like tokens, right? We just are this token exchange. You honor me, I'll honor you. That's where they get their value from. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Honor only comes from one important place, and that's from the Father. What's also cool is that Jesus has actually passed this privilege onto us. Did you know that Jesus said, I have come in his name? What did we just learn in our passage about what Jesus does for us in the gospel? Whose name do we bear now? We bear God's name as well. We are now here in the name of the Father. It's his children. Like, talk about an honor to be name bearers. I'm not saying that we're God, but like, that's our family. You know, we think about our family names. You know, Augsburger. I have to apologize for that one all the time. I'll spell it for you, okay? 
But Jesus here comes in the name of the Father. And all he cares about is to please the Father. That's part of what he's handed off to us by making us sons and daughters as well. Joint heirs with Christ, bearing the name of God on this earth. Talk about being honored. Why would we settle for silly honor from other humans when the Father has honored us in this way to have given us his name? So Jesus just like wipes the horizontal idea just completely off the table and said, live for the Father who has honored you with his name and then live for further honor. Now that's an interesting concept. Live for honor from the Father? Well, it's true. There will be praise and glory as we come before his throne and say, Father, I lived for you, right? What, what's the response we're told in the Gospels? Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Just to seek to, to please him. Okay, let's go on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Romans 8, who had, is that Dusty maybe? Oh, yeah, 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 John 8. That's good too. Right. So we actually have two sections about fathers here, and they're very related. They're in the same context. Uh, Jesus makes a very clear statement. How does he live? He lives always just to please the Father. Everything he does, that's just he just wants to please his Father. And he actually says to the Pharisees, they live the same way. They're just pleasing a different Father. It's pretty harsh when he tells them who the Father is. They've patterned their lives after the liar and the murderer, Satan. Settling for human exchange of honor. Selfish living, right? Seeking honor from men to build my own name. Selfish living. It's a lie, it's death, and it's directly from Satan. It's the very thing he did in the garden. It's the very thing he did in betraying God, right? And so we really just have two options in life. We can imitate Satan or we can imitate God. And so Jesus is saying, I seek to please the Father. And as those who have been honored by receiving his name, why would we live any other way? Just, just live to please the Father. Live to please the Father. It's cool stuff. All right, John 12, 25, and 26. Okay, so there's the past honoring of having been given the name of God, heirs with Christ, right? But there's the future honor as well, that as we live and follow Jesus and serve him, maybe even laying down our lives for him, Jesus says, him my father will honor. That's a strange concept for us. We don't think of it, well, only God deserves the honor. But see, when we live this way, it honors the father and he honors us as his servants. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. You lived to please me. You lived like Jesus lived, right? So, man, why would we desire anything less than that? Why would we settle for human transactions of, of honor when there's a Father who has honored us and will honor us? And then finally, 2 Corinthians 5 is our last text for tonight. All right, thank you. So Paul says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him in light of the fact that we'll stand before the Lord, in this case, the judgment seat of Christ, we seek to please him. And I'm so sorry, I didn't give you these blanks, so there they all are for you. I know, it's the, it's the worst. Oh, making you wait in anticipation there. I apologize for that. I just got way too excited about this stuff. It's just as... It's really exciting. So, here's how we conquer fear of man. We remember the gospel. Remember what God has done for us in Christ. That Jesus took the rejection that I deserve. Completely. And in its place, when I trusted in Christ as Savior, in place of that rejection, Jesus gives me pure, utter, eternal acceptance from the Father. Never, ever will the Father turn his back on me. Why was Jesus forsaken at the cross? So I never will be. Right? With that kind of honor from the Father, why would I ever settle for caring what people think? For seeking this human transaction, who's honoring who and how much worth do I have from this person? No, no, no. Our worth is defined in the gospel. I'm a joint heir with Christ. That's enough. And so I just want to live to please him. Now, living to please the Father does mean that I will be sensitive to people and seek to care for them and listen to them and show them kindness and love and you know, think through, boy, I wonder if I offended them. Maybe I do need to apologize. But not, not because I'm seeking honor from them or fear of rejection. It's not this like trading back and forth kind of thing. It's just I... I'm, just, I'm good. The Lord has been kind to me, and I'm accepted by Him, and so I'm not afraid of embarrassment. I just want to love you. And if I've messed up, let's get it out there. Let's make it right. And it doesn't matter what people think of me. If they respect me less, it's probably just closer to the truth that way. And the Lord has accepted me, and I'm okay. Um, does that make sense how that just crushes Fear of rejection. Now, again, if somebody insults us and rejects us, I'm not saying that it's not going to hurt, but run back to the gospel truth of how the Father has treated you in Christ. Oh, it's so good. So good. And it frees us to just love in response. Just keep pleasing the Father. You see Jesus do it over and over and over again. Really good stuff. Okay, I really got rambling. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's talk about a few prayer requests, and uh, then we'll get to our prayer time. Oh, here's your conclusion. I don't think there's any blanks with that. I got you all the blanks, right? That's the important part. Make sure you get all the blanks. 
There's, there's only one rejection we should fear, the rejection of God the Father. That fear should lead us to receive the gift of acceptance into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. Having been honored by God, to be able to call him Father, we never fear rejection again and only live to please him. So there's the, there's the lesson in a nutshell. Take that with you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.